Welcome to Refocus. I'm your host, Trevor Wilson. This is a podcast of Sunday school lessons that I've taught, some sermons that I have preached. Uh, I have various guests at different times. Uh, Basically, the, the whole idea is to just kind of refocus back on the Word of God, going back to those Bible stories, studying the scriptures. Let's just, just kind of get out of ourselves, out of our own thinking, and go back to the Word of God and see what He has to say. I love those old Sunday school lessons when we were kids. We seem to have gotten away from some of those, just the bare bones bottom of what the Word of God, the meat and potatoes, if you will. So I hope you enjoy it and pass along and share. Now, let's get to the lesson. Hello again, Steve Wilson here, continuing in our uh, study, our walk through uh, Matthew, book of Matthew, as I've said many times before, always my favorite book. We are down to, I think we finished up in about Matthew uh, eleven fifteen last time. And uh, Jesus finished with uh, a warning, the same warning that he used um, several times in the book of Revelation. In Matthew eleven fifteen. he says, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Um, simply meaning that, um, you know, these are things that this, only the spiritually minded are going to um, pay attention to or understand. Um, so... Take the time to listen to what is said here and try to drink it in and, you know, reach your own conclusions and, uh, you know, conclusions hopefully that are uh, consistent with uh, what the Bible teaches. So anyway, it's a pretty sincere warning, a pretty serious warning. So, um, you know, listen up. But he says in verse uh, 16, um, But whereunto shall I liken this generation? And then he begins to describe the generation that he's... uh, Addressing and in reality, this is uh, something that applies to all generations. I think this is a similarity that we see all throughout history, and it kind of grows as history uh, you go drags on longer and longer. Anyway, he says, and we're in verse 16, is it's likened to children sitting in the markets, calling under the fellows, and saying, "We have piped into you, and you've not danced. We have mourned into you, and you've not lamented." Now, uh, you know, he's, he's simply saying, that, you know, they've, they've called out, they've tried to, to bring awareness or announce something to the others or share information, whatever. And, and what, if it's good information, people are not responding. If it's bad information, they're not responding. Um, and especially the one that says, uh, we have mourned unto you and you have not lamented. I, of course, I think of the book of Jeremiah and the book of Lamentations, you know, where the, you know, there was a warning that went out to the uh, Israeli people and they just, they, they never listened, they never heard, they didn't want to see their own sin. Folks, we've all sinned and we all need to take heed of the fact that we're just, we're just sinners in the eyes of God. It's, and, you know, if we respond to him and listen to his message, there's a salvation that's available to us by grace and we can be saved. And, uh, you know, without repentance and without recognition of our sin, without a turning from our sin, realizing that we need a Savior, can't save ourselves, folks, there's no way to heaven. Uh, For John came uh, eating or drinking, and came neither eating nor drinking. And they say, he hath the devil, 
the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous and a wise mind-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified of her children. Mankind has a tendency to make excuses. Uh, no matter what, he always wants to find a reason for uh, to, to justify his own sin. And more often than not, they do this by attacking the person who is sharing the message with them that they need Christ. They need to recognize their sin and come to him in repentance. And so here they say, you know, it doesn't matter what the person does. You're going to find fault with them no matter what. John came and he didn't eat and he didn't drink and... And uh, he said, well, you know, this, this guy, he's not like the rest of us. He's, he's possessed. He's, he's of the devil. Accused him actually of being um, one whom was the very opposite of, uh, you know, the opposite of God, the opposite of Christ and what he was trying to preach. Um, and then the Son of Man comes, and he does eat, and he does drink, and they say, look, you know, he's, a, he's gluttonous. He's a wine-bibber. He's... he's uh, you know, he doesn't care for his own self and that sort of thing. Uh, he indulges. And, and so, and, you know, he hangs out with these tax collectors and sinners and things like that. So, you know, man is always looking for an excuse, a reason not to receive uh, Jesus Christ and re reason to justify their own sins. And then in uh, verse 20, then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they repented not. And then he mentions them. Verse 21, Woe unto Chorazin, woe unto the Bethsaida, for the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, and they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Now, the cities that he mentioned here... Um, and then, well, let me, let me read a little bit further. He says, but I say unto you, verse 22, I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. Then he mentions the third one, and thou Capernaum, which are exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, would have remained until this day. Um, so he mentions these three cities, Chorazin, Bethsaida, and uh, Capernaum. They kind of form um, sort of a holy triangle there just on the north side of, uh, of the Sea of Galilee. Capernaum actually was right on the seashore. It was a fishing city. Um, it's where, you know, Jesus called some of his disciples. Some of his disciples did live there. In fact, Capernaum had become the home of Jesus, or at least his base of operations. He was born in Bethlehem, and then, of course, he uh, migrated to Nazareth um, after they came back from Egypt was raised there but then as he you know as he became older and and then wanted to and then started his own ministry and you know, started his earthly ministry he went to Capernaum and a lot of the things that he did there uh, you know did during the course of his uh, ministry for three and a half years um, were done in and around Capernaum or in this triangle of cities Capernaum lay to the uh, to the west, Bethsaida lay to the east, and Chorazin was to the north, but they were all about within about three to four miles of one another. Uh, so it was all, about 80% of, of the ministry of Jesus Christ occurred 
within this triangle. So all the things, most of the things that you read about, and you know, in the Bible, the miracles that he performed, the healing, the water, wine, and all that sort of thing. These are all things that occurred in and around these three cities um, in that area. And so, you know, what he's trying to say here is, um, you know, if these things have been done in, in, in um, Sodom and Gomorrah and Tyre, Sidon, some of those cities um, that were judged, uh, probably it never would have happened. Um, you know, those things should have, would have most likely been enough to convince the people that lived there that they needed to turn to Christ. Uh, and yet, it's not working on the people here today. So that's, you know, that's the judgment that he's passed upon them that, look, you, you've been told. Uh, you know, there's not much else I can do. Um, he says, there's, there's a judgment that is coming. He says, but I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. Now, you know, we're getting into some verses here that kind of raise a little bit of uh, controversy. Um, you know, what, what's he talking about when he's talking about the day of judgment? Um, of course, many people want to refer to that as the ultimate judgment that, you know, when you stand before Christ and in heaven and that sort of thing. Um, I, I'm not so sure that's what it is. You know, that's not what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. There was a day of judgment there when the cities were destroyed. And the fact that he's talking about cities here really tells me that he's not talking about an eternal judgment. Now, perhaps the residents, of course, of the cities who died lost, certainly there is an eternal judgment that occurs for them. But when he, when he speaks of the cities, he, he's talking about the destruction of these cities, and some of them were, and they, they became a band corps, and they, they're not really even um, sure of the exact location there because, it, well, you know, they kind of know where it's at, but it was abandoned years ago. So, um, and I think there was a time when Capernaum was too, but the cities themselves were uh, judged. See, you know, cities, nations, that sort of thing, these are things without a soul. They're not, they're not uh, entities that are going to spend eternity in heaven or anything like that. Um, they're just dwelling places, but they develop a reputation. And they attract a certain um, element of people there, and so that's what was happening in, in these cities, you know, he's, he's saying, look, you know, the, you've seen some, all, all the miracles, you've, you've heard the message, uh, Christ lived there, um, and yet you still reject Christ. You, you still have a city of, you know, that's a city of ill repute. Um, and, and so he's just pointing out that, you know, these, these God will judge locations and so on, but he doesn't do it in an eternal fashion. Um, now, again, when you go back to the residents, you know, you want to look at this as speaking to the residents, of course. Those are people that are going to stand before Christ, and their judgment will be an eternal judgment. And yet, you know, these people, they've heard the messages, but they're so ingrained in sin, so deeply involved in sin, so addicted to it, uh, they, they, can't, they can't admit that they even live in sin. So verse 25, and at that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, 
and hast revealed them unto babes. You know, he's always talking about, you know, how the wise will be foolish, foolish will be wise, or the strong will be weak, weak will be strong, that sort of thing. You know, it's the simple things in life, folks, that, that matter. And to, to the person who lives a simple life, they ultimately have no real desire um, to have some of the things that many people have. I, you know, I look at some of the wealthiest people in the world and, you know, they have, you know, they jet around the world and they have their yachts and all their finery and that sort of thing. And But but I look at their lives and I see what it does to them. And quite frankly, I, I, I don't know that I need that. When you get a real perspective on life, you realize how short it is. You begin to realize that as long as you have your basic needs, you got food, shelter, family, things like that. Um, what else do you really need? How much money does a person really need to make? It, it, it becomes not just money, it becomes your God. And, and you know, you, you, you make more money than you can possibly spend or do any good with, quite frankly. Um, there's a limit, really, to how much a person needs to have. And so, you know, leading the simple life allows you to keep your mind open and freer to the reality of life. Um, who we are. Um, this is even so in verse 26, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. Um, all things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Um, to, or to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Let me read that again. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Now, when you read that verse on the surface, it seems to um, defend a view uh, that is held by uh, Calvinists, and by those who claim to be doctrines of grace because they believe in uh, predestination. In other words, God knows who's going to be saved, and he chooses who's going to be saved, and you really don't have any uh, input. Um, you know, they, 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 when they look at the Bible and it says whosoever will, they believe that, well, that's just whosoever does come to him, but you don't come of your own free will. You come only if God allows you to come to him. Well, God allows anybody to come to him, but that, that appears here to defend the position they take, but, but the very next verse explains it, turns all that around. It says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, everybody. He says, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So, you know, come to Christ, and uh, he'll give you salvation. Don't, you know, don't wait until it's too late. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest in your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Look, I'm not telling you the life of a Christian is all is a bed of roses, but I am telling you that with Christ, carrying that burden is an easy yoke to bear. Um, not necessarily pleasant. You're not happy every day, but you're happy in your heart because you know what awaits you. You have an eternal heaven that, that awaits for you, and, and this life is so short and really in the, in the grand scheme of things so insignificant, it's not a big deal to have to carry a heavy load for a short period of time because you know it's a heavy load that has meaning and has bearing and is really going to make a difference 
to others. So, you know, take the verses, take the things we've said here, take them to heart and understand that Jesus loves you, Jesus cares for you, give your life to him, put him in charge, let him be your Lord and Savior.